Well, what's up, Element Church? Happy Mother's Day uh, to all you moms out there. I do want to say a special happy Mother's Day to my wife, who's sitting over there, my mother, who's sitting on the front row. Happy Mother's Day to you guys. You are both amazing. Yeah, we can clap for them. And uh, I hope that for all you moms, your families are making you feel extra loved and honored today. And I also just want to acknowledge that uh, for anyone who's lost a mom this last year, maybe you've lost a child or you've wanted to have a child, have not been able to, uh, we honor you too. We see you, we love you, we're praying for you, we're standing with you as well. I know that Mother's Day is not always happy for everyone, and I just want to acknowledge that for those in the room. If you're new here, uh, my name is Jeff Manis, lead pastor here at Element Church. Whether you're here in the service or joining us via video, so glad that you're with us today. If you are watching on Online and have the ability to share this video with uh, your social media friends. I would ask you to do that if you would. Moms are typically the most generous people on the planet. How's that for a transition, right? Okay. So back when I was a kid, my mom, she was amazing at this, would always give up the front seat of the car to one of us kids, one of us three kids, as we were going on a road trip. If you're old like me, you'll remember back in the day, there were no laws about how old you had to be or how big you had to be to ride in the front seat of the car. In fact, there weren't even any laws about booster seats or seat belts. Were there? Who knows what I'm talking about? Like I, like, I rode, I remember getting up in the back dash of the car while we were driving. Anybody else do that? I rode on my dad's lap while he was driving. You can't get away with that today. Like we didn't need seat belts. We had mom's forearm, right? Like, okay, so bam, right? stop anybody from going through, but I, I'm digressing here. I always remember my mom giving up her seat for one of us kids. As I, was, as I was thinking about this, though, I began to realize she wasn't actually being very generous. It was a parenting tactic. Like she understood if I don't sit in the back between two kids, all hell will break loose in our vehicle. It was divide and conquer. So touche, mom, you fooled us with your generosity. <laughs> Typically, it's, it's the mom who does the birthday shopping, she does the Christmas shopping, like if the dad doesn't see you open the gift, he has no idea what he got you. You, you can thank him for the $500, it'll freak him out, you know, just go ahead and do that. His name might have been on the car, but it was always mom's handwriting. Did you get that one too? So it's moms who fill out, who fill the Easter baskets. They do the Valentines. They plan the parties. Like you name it, mom is on it, right? And at least in my family, it was the mom. And still in our family, my wife, she leads the way in generosity, and that's the core value that we are talking about today in this sermon series we are in called This Is Us, and we're walking through the six core values we have as a church. So core value number four is today's value. It's on the screens if you want to write it down. It'll serve as our big idea. It's this, leading the way in generosity, that we serve a radically generous God, so we will be radically generous people, amen, that we serve a generous God. And so we're going to be generous people. And I understand that I'm working off the assumption that there is a God and that he's a generous God. I also understand not everyone here may believe that or agree with that. And I'm okay with that. So if you're here and you don't believe in God, or maybe you're here and you say, well, if there is a God, he's definitely not generous. Uh, you have that right to that opinion, that belief. It won't change how we love you here. I just want to play a game just for a moment if you play along with me. So let's just say if there was a God, if there was, and if that God made all of us, which is what we believe, and then asked us to follow him, but each of us turned from him and followed our own sinful way, 
But because God loved us so much, he came as one of us, he died because of us, he rose victorious so that anyone who puts their faith in him can have their sins forgiven, given a new life today, we sang about it, and eternal life with him forever. If that is true, if it is, you would say that's a generous God, right? If that's true, then he is a generous God, and that's where our core value comes from. In fact, it comes from perhaps the most famous verse in all the Bible. John 3, 16 says this, for this is how God loved the world. He gave, everyone help me out and say gave. gave. He gave his one and only son. Why did he do that? Well, so that his generosity had a goal in mind, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That is the foundation to the gospel, that God showed his love through generosity, giving his son. So, if we as God's people, collectively as his church, if we are going to love like God did, how do you suppose at least one of the ways should be we show our love? It should be through giving, right? Through radical generosity. If you don't know this, as a church, the main way we live this out as Element Church is we set aside 10% of every dollar that's given to God through our church. We set aside 10%. We put it into a separate outreach account that can only be used for outreach to our community and God's kingdom around the world. To give you an idea of what that means, in 2016 alone, we as a church, through your generosity, we gave $246,022 to outreach. And so that $246,000, nearly a quarter of a million, was spread out between different missionaries and Christian organizations that serve and spread God's kingdom around the world. We, we have our outreach events like Back to School Bash, Benevolence Needs, that we support those who need help, the homeless ministry. We have uh, financial grants that we give to Element Church small groups to go out and serve uh, people in our community. Uh, we, we support biblical concepts and counseling right here in Cheyenne. So $246,000, that's a lot of money to give away, right? It's pretty incredible what God's allowed us to be a part of as a church. But let me just be the first to say that anyone and any organization can give away money. Anyone can. Like, you don't have to be a church you don't even have to believe in Jesus to be generous, right? Like generosity is not just, you know, part of being a Christian. Anybody can be, can be generous. So, so generosity without Jesus is still great. It's still a good thing. But that's what separates this core value apart for us. Because like God, our generosity has a goal. There's a specific goal in mind when we are being generous. And here's that goal. Our goal is not just to provide for people. Yes, we will do that. Our ultimate goal is to point those people to Jesus. That's our goal in generosity, that they may not put their faith in him and we will still serve them anyway. We, we serve because it's right, not because there's a return. 
So they may not put their faith in him, but we do want Jesus to be seen in and through us. And one of the ways we show Jesus is through our generosity. I call it Christian generosity. So if Christian generosity is different than just regular generosity, here's the big question I think we have to ask. What should I know about Christian generosity? What should I know about Christian generosity? The main scripture is 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 15. So if you got your Bible, it's in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians, about, you know, I don't know, three quarters, halfway through the New Testament, you'll find 2 Corinthians. If you didn't bring a Bible, we'll put it all on the screens. Don't worry about that. If you don't own one, ask for one at guest services. We will be generous and give you one for free today. We love giving uh, Bibles away. 2 Corinthians is a letter that was written to a group of Christians in a town called Corinth. We are super creative with our Bible names, Corinthians. So here's 2 Corinthians 8, starting in verse 1, says this. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They're being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also, this is so huge, filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. It's awesome. For I can testify, Paul, who wrote this, knew these people, I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. Isn't that awesome? Like, what an incredibly challenging and convicting passage of Scripture. I love the fact that Paul used the Christians in Macedonia as his example of generosity. He didn't choose someone. He did not choose a group of people who were very rich and could give out of their surplus. He chose people who were extremely poor and gave out of their sacrifice. So here's the first thing I see that we should know about Christian generosity, and this drives everything else. It's an attitude, not an amount. Generosity is an attitude. It is not an amount. So many times I think we make generosity an amount when it needs to be an attitude. We, we say things like this, I would give if I had more. If I had more amount, I would be more generous. Or we say about somebody else, well, it's easy for them to be generous. Look at all they have, <laughs> They are, they're generous because they have a lot. But generosity is not an amount, not an amount we have or even the amount we give. The total amount does not determine generosity. For a millionaire to give $100 may not be generous. For someone who is extremely poor, that could be the most radical act of generosity they could ever give. So it's not the amount given or even the amount you have. It's the attitude. You're either generous or you're not. And if I'm not generous with what I already have, why would I be generous if God gave me more? That's like saying, I would live healthy if I weighed less. <laughs> healthy living is an attitude, not a weight. Generosity is an attitude, not an amount. So Psalm 37, 21 says this. The wicked borrow, but never repay, but the godly are generous givers. Not the godly should be. If you are godly, you are a generous giver. 
Isaiah 32, 8, one of my favorite verses about generosity. I've put this one to memory. I pray this over our own family. But generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. I love that. That they, they don't get shaken by the amounts changing in their life. Like the Macedonians, even when they are tested by many troubles and perhaps extremely poor, they still stand firm in their generosity. It's an attitude, not an amount. And listen, if you don't plan to be generous, then opportunities to be generous will pass you by. You have to plan it if you're going to be Generous. It's amazing to me how many more opportunities there were for us to be generous when we started planning it in our budget. So we, we plan to give to God through his church. Then above that, we plan a buffer of generosity money. And all of a sudden, opportunities to be generous started appearing. Why? Because we had planned to be generous, and now we stand firm in our generosity. So you might be thinking, I, I want to be generous, but I have no idea how to plan. Well, we can help you with that. We have trained financial coaches. If you need to plan financially, we have trained coaches who will sit down with you even on a Sunday. You're already at church. They'll meet with you on a Sunday, and they will look at what you have coming in. They will help you develop a plan, and you can include in your plan how to be generous. Okay, And we'll help you do that. We'll help you get your finances in order. If you want help with that, you can go to our website, elementchurchwy.com, click on ministries and then financial coaching, or just stop by the Next Steps wall computers out there, and we'll get you signed up out there. We serve a radically generous God. So we will be radically generous people, amen? Okay. I know it's generosity, and people don't like hearing about generosity because then you think I'm going to come after your money, but I'm not. Don't worry. I'm just saying, because God's generous and we say God lives in us, what does that mean we should be? Generous, right? It's just natural outflow of what God's doing in us. So we want, though, not just generosity, but Christian generosity. And part of Christian generosity is it's an attitude, not an amount. I truly believe no matter how much you have coming in, you can be generous. I believe that. It may not be the same amount someone else gives, but you can still be generous. Generous. So jump to verses 7 through 9 now, says this. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness to give of the other churches. Hello. Like, aren't you glad I'm preaching and not Paul? That's... That's bold, right? I'm going I'm to compare your love by what someone else gave. Okay? You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. That's a spiritual richness, by the way, that God's given to us. So here's the second thing we should know, number two, that our giving, our generosity, it's for God, not just for good. Amen. That, yes, we give to do good things, but our giving really is for God not for good. Paul said, I'm testing how genuine your love is. You might say love for who? Well, other people, yes, but ultimately our giving's a reflection of our love for God. And listen, I didn't say this, Paul did. Okay? So yes, as followers of Jesus, we should have an attitude of generosity, but we need to understand that generosity is not just for good, it's for God. And this is part of the way, not the only way, 
But this is part of the way we express our love to God. Is through our generosity. So this is so, so important to understand. There are two ways that my generosity goes to God. There's two ways, okay? So hang with me here because some of you are going to want to tune me out, and I'm just asking you, don't tune me out. Stay tuned in, okay? Small commercial break here. Here we go. Here's, here's the first way we give to God, letter A, through his church. Through his church. That when you give to a church, like Element, Yes, there is money that goes into a bank account. It helps pay for salaries and bills and ministry expenses. I get all that. But when you give to a church, you're really not giving to that church. You're definitely not giving to me or anyone else who works here. Really what you are doing is you are giving to God through his church. The church is the avenue by which you give to God. And I noticed something that I've never been focused on before in a very familiar passage in the church when it comes to giving. It's found in the Old Testament book of Malachi, the last book of the the Old Testament. Malachi 3, 8 through 10, God speaking through the prophet Malachi says these very strong words, says this. Should people cheat God? Yet you've cheated me. You've cheated me, God says, of the tithes and offerings due to me. Now, if that word tithe bothers you, literally throw it out for a second, okay? Just throw it out. I understand for some people there's lots of baggage, lots of sensitivity when it comes to that word tithe. I'm not concerned about that for now. Throw it out, okay? Here's what God says. You're under a curse for your whole nation's been cheating me. And he says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it, he says. Put me to the test. It's the only place in all the Bible where God allows us to test him. It's in our generosity. The only place in all the Bible, okay? So in case you don't know, I just want to clarify for people who may not know because there are some people. The word tithe literally means Tenth, 10%. It comes from the biblical principle that as God's children, we, we return back to him the very first 10% of everything he blesses me with. It's a way that we show we love him, we honor him, we worship him, we trust him with our finances. But tithing's not even what I want to point out here. It's not the focus. Like, I personally believe in the principle of tithing. I practice it in my own life. I think we should tithe. Jesus even said that. Matthew 23, 23, he said, you should tithe. Those are exact words. God even promises to bless us for it. It's kind of funny to me how we will quote all sorts of of promises from the Old Testament, but we ignore the promise about tithing because it's from the Old Testament. That makes no sense to me at all. But again, tithing is not the focus. I, I need to stop before I make it the focus. So here we go, okay? Here's the focus. God said, bring your offering to the storehouse. The storehouse was literally a room in the temple, the Old Testament church, that supplied for all the needs of that ministry of the local temple. So here's what God is saying, okay? This is what I've never really focused on. He said, you have cheated me, God said, by not giving to my church. That, so he's literally telling us when you give to the temple, you're not giving to the temple. 
You're giving to me. It's my church. It's my temple. So our giving is not just for good, it's for God. It goes to God. And I'm just going to say this. If you're not yet being generous to God through his church, would you just consider starting? Like make it a part of your plan. Whether you agree with me or not on the whole tithe thing, I know that blows people's minds. Start somewhere. Start giving to God first out of love, not leftovers. Love gives first, okay? That's how we say, I trust you, God, that you said you provide all my needs. So out of what you've given me, I'm going to give it back first, and I'll trust you from the rest. Say, when we don't trust God, we wait till the very end, and we say, well, I have a little bit left, so I'll give you that. So would you you just start somewhere and give first? The way my wife and I give is we give through digital giving here at our church. So if you want to give Uh, If you're looking for a a simple, safe, secure way to give, when I get paid the first and 15th of every month, the first 10%, I've set up automatically to recur out of my account to give back to God. And I view it, God, I'm giving this to you, okay? I'm giving this to you through Element Church. You can use the Push Pay app. That's what I use. The instructions are on the screen there. You can text that number. You can download Push Pay. You can go to our website, click on the Give tab. If you want to start giving, if you have questions about giving, ask us. We'll tell you. Uh, we'll answer just about any question that you need to know about how you can give. We just want you. Here's why I'm doing this. This is discipleship. That part of following Jesus is trusting him with my money. And I want to see all of us be fully devoted followers of Jesus. And until giving to his church is a part of my plan, I'm not fully devoted to him. Okay. I was going to wait as long as it took. Now, we try modeling good stewardship as a church as well. I hope we do. Just so, unless you're not, in case you're not aware, like we budget every year, we budget based on 95% of the previous year's giving. So in, the 20, in 2017, we took the 2016 giving. We took 95% of that, so conservative budgeting, budgeting. And we planned 2017 on less than what came in in 2016. Part of that, then the first 10%, we give back to outreach. So we are tithing on the tithe. The next 5%, we put into cash reserves where there's an amount for emergencies in case that comes up. And there's an amount for opportunities when God brings an opportunity to do something in our community or our state. There's money for opportunities as well. Well, and then we like nobody, like nobody has complete control of the finances. There's a team of people that count the money and they, and we have a bookkeeper separate from the executive pastor, separate from this. So I, I hope we're modeling good accountability and, and stewardship as well. Nobody, I, I don't set my own salary. There's an outside uh, board. We have a governing board that sets my salary. So I don't have control over that myself. Like we try to do everything we can to put the right guardrails in place so that we too as a church are modeling what it means to be good stewards of God's money. Because it's not my money, it's God's. And whatever's in your bank account is not your money, it's God's. We're just good man- we just want to be good managers of it. So I, I got to go on. So we can give through the church. Second of all, we, we give to God by giving through the challenge, the financially challenged. Did you know that when you help the poor, you are actually loaning money to God? This is super cool. Like I'm going to share with you a verse you may have never heard before. Maybe if you have, it's maybe going to be a good reminder. Proverbs 19:17. Look at this. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. Come on. Isn't that awesome? 
Like when you, when you help somebody who's in need, you are actually loaning money to God who owns all the money. And he says, I'll be the one to repay you. That person can't repay you. They're poor. So if you'll trust me and lend to the poor, lend, give money to the poor, you're lending money to me, God says, and I will repay you. For sake of time, guys there in the back, I'm going to skip the next uh, section of scripture. That when we give to someone in need, when we give to the church, we're not giving just for good, we're giving to God. When we help the poor, support a compassion child, the dude on the street, we're not really giving to them, we're loaning money to God. And he will repay you. We, we serve a radically generous God. And so we're going to be radically generous people. But our generosity is a, a Christian generosity. So what makes that different? Well, it's an attitude, not an amount. It's for God, not just for good. The last one is this. It should be. It's a blessing, not a burden. It's a blessing to give, not a burden. And if it's a burden, then you're not doing it right. <laughs> it should be a joy like for the Macedonians, they were filled with abundant joy. It overflowed into rich generosity. So now verses 11 through 15 says this. Paul says, give in proportion to what you have. So again, that's not about the amount. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. Not a burden. I only mean there should be some equality. That right now you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. Maybe that's the way God repays. In this way, things will be equal. As the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough that God says, I will provide all you need. All you need. That generosity, listen, should be a sacrifice financially, but it shouldn't make you suffer financially. It should be a sacrifice, but it should not make you suffer. Time and time again in Scripture, we are promised a blessing tied to our giving. Now, understand this too. That blessing may not always be a financial blessing. But it will always be a fruitful blessing in your life. We may not even see the blessing on this side of eternity. We don't even know what the blessing was until we get to heaven and see Jesus' face to face. We, we, we see over and over again, Jesus promises to bless us when we give. We saw it in Malachi 3. Test me. I'll throw open the windows of heaven. Pour out a blessing so great you won't be able to contain it. Acts 20, 35, the words of Jesus. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So today is what we are calling Compassion Sunday. It's where we highlight uh, the ministry of Compassion International and challenge anyone who can or feels led to support a child living in extreme poverty around the world. If you don't know, Compassion International is a phenomenal organization that serves the needs of children and families who live in extreme poverty, literally from all around the globe. And this compassion is one of the ways, a great way, that you can give to God through helping someone who's financially challenged, okay? This, I believe, Here's how I believe the order of giving should go. You can disagree with me, that's fine. But this should be above and beyond what you give to God's church. So we give to God's church first. Everything else then is, is, is next, so above and beyond. Back in January, my wife and I, we got to go and see firsthand on a pastor's vision trip the ministry of compassion in, in Colombia, and I was blown away. 
I was blown away by their transparency, by their excellence, by their impact, by their laser focus. They are so laser focused. Uh, Last year alone, 82.4% of every dollar that was given to Compassion, 82.4% went directly to funding the needs of children who are living in extreme poverty. That is unbelievable. Compassion also is a one-to-one sponsorship organization. So when you go out to the table out in the lobby and you see a picture of a child, that face does not just represent children. You are literally supporting that child. And you begin writing letters back and forth to them. In fact, my wife and I, we just put a reminder in our phone, we, we support two kids and then our two oldest daughters support a child as well. On the first of every month, we just sit down and we have an, a Compassion app, we write it on the app. It goes to their field office, gets translated into their language, delivers to the child, vice versa. Well, just recently, we got a letter back from our Compassion daughter, Agnes, and Agnes now calls me Papa Jeff and my wife, Mommy Sabrina. It melted our hearts. It was un. Believable, unbelievable. Their mission is to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. They are a gospel-centered, gospel-focused organization that works on the ground through local churches only. They only work through the local church. And these local churches on the field, they have to apply to be a part of Compassion's program. Then they are vetted extremely. They have to go through an extreme vetting process. And then Compassion partners with that church to empower them to care for the physical, emotional, educational, and spiritual needs of these children. And what we saw when we were in Columbia was unbelievable. Unbelievable. The, the passion the heart, the drive of these churches, for their, their heart for the broken, their, their heart for, for, for the hurting in, in their communities was humbling. We literally saw entire households and entire neighborhoods changed by the gospel because one child was sponsored by someone in America. In fact, we were told while we were on the trip that over, I don't remember where it was, where, what country it was in, but it was where Boko Haram, the Islamic extremist group, was. They were tearing down churches in whatever country they were in. They were literally demolishing churches. Well, there was one compassion church that had so impacted this neighborhood that the neighborhood people locked arms around the property. And when Boko Haram came, they said, you're not taking this one. And they would not let Boko Haram take that church. Because that compassion church had changed that Islamic community. Unbelievable. A couple weeks ago, our, our missions team, 18 of them, went to Bolivia, Cochabamba, Bolivia. They went to uh, one of the slums, one of the poorest parts of, of Cochabamba, and they went to a, a specific house, and they asked the people in this house, do you know Jesus? And the whole household lit up. We know Jesus. We know Jesus, and they, they ran back into the house and came back out with a picture, and through the translator, they began to learn that this house was a house that was sponsored by a compassion family in America. Here's a picture of Keith Grenowig and those two girls. That picture is their compassion family from Virginia, and they knew Jesus because a family in Virginia spends $38 a month to support that family. And the entire household knows Jesus. 
my wife and I, when we were in Colombia, our tour guide's name was Leo. On the last day, we got a picture of us with, with Leo. He was, he was awesome. He is a, 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 a Colombian native. And he first started working for Compassion as a translator, and he did not know Jesus. Didn't know Jesus. But he would translate the letters that Americans, or, or mostly English-speaking people, would send their letters to the Colombian field office. He would translate it into Spanish and then take it, they would go to the kids. And he said, when I first, I didn't know Jesus, when I first started getting these letters, I would read all these Americans talking about how much God loves you, how much Jesus loves you. And he said, my thought was, well, of course God loves you, you're rich. He said, what changed for him was when letters started coming back from these extremely poor children to their American families. And these children were telling their sponsors how much God loves them and how much Jesus loves them and how much God changed their life. And Leo said, it was because of these children in poverty speaking about Jesus that I gave my life to him. And so here was a guy who was just translating letters, wasn't even a believer, just getting paid to translate. And because little kids had been impacted by Americans and they were telling their American families how much Jesus loves them, Leo's life, his entire family has now been changed. Like, I, w I was a compassion believer before the trip we went on. I'm bought and sold for life after seeing what they do on the field. And so we have a video that Compassion gave that will give you a glimpse into one little girl's life and how Compassion changed her life forever. I want you to check out this video. When I was five years old, my dad broke his leg and he couldn't work. We didn't have money for food. I was very scared. Near our home, bad people would be out at night and there was always trash everywhere. I felt like no one cared about me and I didn't matter. When I was nine, one of my neighbors told me about compassion. I didn't know what it was about, but I liked it because I received a lot of help. I was fed there at the church and I learned how to take care of myself. I learned that I was special and that God loved me and that he had a plan for my life. And I learned that I could ask Jesus into my heart. And when I did, I was so happy. I was waiting to get a letter from my sponsor. And when it finally came, I felt very happy and special. They were very loving in their letters. They loved me so much, even though we never met in person. At 15, I remember being so thankful for my sponsors and everything they did for me. I will remember them until the last day of my life. Without their help, my life would be so different. 
All I can say is thank you for so much love that showed me God's love. Now I know I have value and I know I have a future. My name is Silda, this is my story. Release a child from poverty in Jesus' name. A child is waiting for you. So if you stop by the compassion table on your way out, I believe we have 95 kids, all from Cochabamba, Bolivia, that we can sponsor today. And I know that 38 bucks a month is a lot for a lot of people, okay? So not everybody can do this. I'm not, nobody has to do this. But if this is something that God's leading you to do, I would challenge you to at least stop by the table and look at the names. Some of these, like, like this girl's name's Abigail, the, there's a school in the background. Steve, Pastor Steve told me they went to that school on their trip. So there's some pictures that he said, I recognize that place that we went to. So who knows, we might be partnering with people that would see again uh, when we send missions teams uh, down there. It is $38 a month. Um, and again, I, like that's, that's a lot of money for, for a lot of people. So don't feel obligated. Don't, don't make life worse for you. Okay? Don't make it hard for you to help somebody else. But if God leads you to sponsor a child, you can do that. There's also these information cards there to give you more information about compassion if you have questions. And then you might have saw the giant trailers out in the parking lot. Um, that's the Compassion Experience. I had the chance of serving at the Compassion Experience on Friday. And you need to go through it. It's free. You can, the walk-ins are available. If, you, if you're registered, you, it's for, you, know, you have, have a priority to go through. But there's three different stories of actual compassion children, how compassion changed their life. And you kind of walk through this interactive thing, seeing really kind of where they lived and, and hearing their story. It's unbelievable. Three stories. They're each 12 minutes long. You can do all of them, one of them, two of them, whatever. But please stop by the Compassion Experience today. They're open until 7 today, uh, and then they're open until 7 again tomorrow as well. Well, they'll be here all day long. Stop by Compassion Experience. It's, it's life-changing. Um, so thank you guys so much. I love you guys. We packed a lot in today. So thank you for your patience. I pray. Uh, whether you sponsor a child or not, whether you, you give to Element or not, that's not the point. The point still is this, that we serve a radically generous God. And because of that, for those who believe, we need to be radically generous people. So God, help us be generous people. Let me pray for you. Lord, you're so good. Thanks for all that you do for us. Lord, thanks for your generosity that you gave to us through Jesus. Lord, help us be generous people. Lord, that we don't give to make life hard on ourselves. Lord, help us to give in proportion to what you've blessed us with. Each is going to be different amounts. But Lord, may there be an attitude of generosity. May we point people to you in Jesus' name. Amen.